Good morning. If you have a Bible, and I hope you do, go ahead and open with me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14 is where we're going to be this morning as we start to close out our series here where we've been looking at the Apostles' Creed. Now, I got one bone to pick with you guys. I was in here when Elise did the welcome, and Elise talked about the fact that we baptized 20 people across all five campuses, and I don't think anybody like just shouted or yelled, all right? Yeah, so now I'm going to say, I'm going to say, and you're going to act like, man, I've never heard that before, and that's news to me, and you're just going to absolutely lose your mind, okay? Guys, we baptized 20 people today across our campuses. Thank you. I don't want us to take that for granted. We baptized four here this morning, and guys, it was crazy. It was how Chuck just acted, it was how everyone acted when we baptized this morning. Uh, and so just because we don't have one in this service right now, I don't want you guys uh, to miss out on that. God's really at work in our church. I will say, I also found out the quickest way to find a hole in your baptismal waiters this morning when I baptized people, okay? Uh, so that, w- that was real fun. Uh, if you got your Bibles, John 14 is where we're going to be. Over the past couple weeks, if you've been with us, we have really uh, journeyed through the Apostles' Creed, which is different for some of us, right? Looking at these creedal statements of what we believe. And if you think about it, we've said that we believe quite a bit. We've said over the past couple weeks, we've said, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, right? We've said, I believe in God the Son, who suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, buried, uh, dead and buried, and rose again on the third day. And while we've said quite a bit, we also have not said very much at all about what we believe. As a matter of fact, I think we could reduce it down to this. All we've said over the past five weeks is simply this, that we as Christians believe in God and we believe the good news of the gospel that God has come to save us. Now, my fear for most of us this morning is that most of us, having, been, having talked at this point about God the Father who created and having talked about God the Son who saved, most of us would be content to stop here and now and let that be all we talk about because in most of our minds, the gospel includes God the Father and God, the gospel includes God the Son and that's it. What I want you to know is that so far, having talked about God the Father and God the Son, we have not had yet a complete picture of the gospel or a complete picture of God because we have not yet talked about God the Holy Spirit. So today, as we close out our trip to the creed, we're going to be looking at this short, uh, emphatic phrase that from, from the creed that says this, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Now, this is really important because it's going to help us get a full picture, a whole picture of who God is and what God has done for us, what God is currently doing for us right now. I understand that as we start this morning talking about the Holy Spirit, uh, that makes some of us, even now, a little bit nervous, right? Uh, some of us, there, there are really two kind of camps we can fall into when it comes to the Holy Spirit, and we almost all fall in there just full scale, right? Nobody really chooses the middle ground when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Most people either totally uh, accept all that the Holy Spirit does, or they almost totally miss all that the Holy Spirit does. And it just depends on our past experiences, really, what we bring to the table. Some people totally accept what the Holy Spirit does. So when I started talking about the Holy Spirit this morning, you were good with it, right? Because maybe you grew up in like a Pentecostal or charismatic tradition, right? And, and you're good with like the raising the hands and maybe the speaking in tongues and all that stuff. I remember my first experience 
uh, with this. I grew up deep Southern Baptist, right? And, and deep Southern Baptist, uh, if somebody raised their hand, we thought they had a question, right? We didn't know what, what they were doing. And, and so my first time I ever went to a Pentecostal church, I remember I encountered Mr. B.G. Hammond. Now, Mr. B.G., I was from a small town. I knew Mr. B.G. Mr. B.G. didn't move that well. He kind of shuffled. He was getting close. To, he was in his 80s. He had to be close to 90, really. And when Mr. B.G. got the spirit, though, Mr. B.G. moved like a 20-year-old. Mr. B.G., I saw him walk down to the front one day, and I didn't know his arms could go so straight, and his arms got straight. And Mr. B.G. started dancing, and I, I was like, I don't know what's going on here, right? And, and he, he started moving. I, said, I looked at my buddy. I said, what is going on? And my buddy said, he's got the spirit. I said, he's got something, but I think it's time for you to get gone, right? <laughs> and, and, and so I just didn't have any context for that. Now, I want you to know that's not, that the Holy Spirit does, uh, in fact, move on us sometimes like that. If you if like, that's what you need to do this morning, uh, and that's really the spirit, you know, get up and come down, that'll be fine. But don't just do it because you've got like ants in your pants, all right, like, and, and you need to walk around a little bit. But that's not all the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit does much more than that. As a matter of fact, I want to talk to you about the people who don't totally accept what the Holy Spirit does. There's a whole group of us that almost totally ignore what the Holy Spirit does because that kind of stuff makes us feel uncomfortable. And these type of people, maybe you're like me, where you grew up in a church where the Holy Trinity was God the Father, God the Son, and, and the Holy Scripture, right? Not the Holy Spirit. And so today, we really need to look at what the Holy Spirit is because, listen, I want you to understand this. This is important because if we miss the Holy Spirit, we miss God. And hear this, if we miss God, we miss the gospel. So there is no good news, church, understand this. There is no good news without us believing not only in God the Father who created, not only in God the Son who redeemed, but in God the Holy Spirit who is right now currently among us. Here's what we're going to see. We're going to get a complete picture today of the gospel. So yes, it is that Jesus created. Yes, it is that Jesus died on a cross. I want you to see this, though. The Holy Spirit reminds us that God has not left us to go through life without his presence or his power. The good news is not just something that is available to you in the past. The good news by the power of the Holy Spirit is something that's available to you right here and now. With that in mind, let's look at how this kind of comes about in John chapter 14. John chapter 14, Jesus is addressing the disciples as he prepares to go to the cross. Here's what Jesus says. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You also will live. And that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keep them, keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Now, before we go any further, just notice how this language is kind of playing out. That Jesus is saying, I'm leaving, but I will not leave you alone. I will come to you and the world will not be able to see me, but you will be able to see me for you know, know me. Now, how, what, how is it that he intends to come to us then? If he's saying he's not going to be here, he intends to come to us through the Holy Spirit. That is, the, that is what he is saying to us, that the Holy Spirit is coming to you. Verse 22, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, I, I love that. D don't you think this is how Judas introduced himself for the rest of his life? 
right? Because you got Judas Iscariot who betrayed Jesus, right? And this is Judas, not Iscariot, right? He's like, hey, let's just clarify who's talking here. I, I feel like G- Judas probably went up to people the rest of his life and said, hey, I'm Judas. I'm one of the disciples. And they're like, you. He's like, not that Judas, bro. Not that Judas, right? He says, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whatever, whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You have heard me say I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Have I prayed yet? Let me pray for us real quick. Three services, that kind of run together sometimes, I'm sorry. Dear God, thank you for this moment. Lord, I do just pray uh, for this room what I have felt this building has needed all day, dear God, and that's just a touch of your peace, dear God. Uh, uh, dear Lord, it just seems to me that there are anxious hearts in the room. It seems to me that there are people uh, who just have a lot going on, dear God, and, and, and maybe they need this message just a, a little bit more than normal. Dear God, I know I particularly needed this message this week, and so I pray that you would apply it to my heart, and I pray right now that you would help us hear what it is you have to say to us. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Now, we kind of have to do two things in this text that we're going to look at we need to in order to understand why the holy spirit is good news for us in just a moment what we have to do is we have to look and see what the holy spirit does for us that makes it such good news that he's here but before we can do that before we can go in and dive into all the stuff the holy spirit does we first have to understand who the holy spirit is we have to answer this question that jesus is is answering for us in john 14 who is the holy spirit who is the holy spirit Now, the context for what's happening in John 14 kind of helps us understand Jesus' answer to this question. In John 14, the disciples are essentially uh, about to have a mini meltdown because Jesus has told them that he's about to leave. Now, I don't know what you know about the disciples' journey, but the disciples, there's nothing about the disciples at this point that tells us that they're ready for Jesus to go. Uh, the disciples are the kind of guy that when the kind of guys that when they're on the road, they're arguing with each other about who's going to have the greatest seat in heaven, right? They're, they're the kind of guys at this point who when the people don't follow Jesus, they say, Jesus, should we call down fire and just destroy these people, right? There's nothing that suggests that the disciples are okay with Jesus going to heaven. And so they're, they're, they're essentially feeling desperate in this moment because Jesus is about to leave. So Jesus, in uh, trying to address their desperation, says, Don't freak out. Let me tell you about who I'm going to send. I'm going to send to you the Holy Spirit. Now, who is the Holy Spirit? What does Jesus tell us about the Holy Spirit? The first thing I want you to see is this. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. Jesus gives us clues as to the Holy Spirit's identity as he talks about him to the disciples. Notice what Jesus says. Jesus says, I will send to you another helper. Now this designation, another helper, Jesus seems to be implying, I will give you someone else, another one who is like me. I know you are desperate, don't worry, I will send you another helper like me. 
So Jesus compares this person to himself. But then notice how Jesus uh, identifies this person. He says that this helper will be with you forever. Now, if you've been coming throughout this series on the Apostles' Creed, you would alarm bells should be kind of going off in your head at this moment. If they're not and you've been coming, uh, don't tell me because that's going to make me really depressed, okay? But if, if, you, if you have been coming, you know that these, what, this word forever <coughs> is an exclusive word. <coughs> who is the only person who can claim eternality? We've talked about this. Is it not God? The only person who can say that I will be forever, we've talked about this, is God. So, God, so Jesus saying, I will send you another helper, says, let me tell you about this helper. He will stay with you forever. So Jesus says, I'm going to send you one who is like me. He'll better stay with you forever. And so I want you to understand, he's God. Now, this is where things get real, really interesting. Maybe, uh, if, you, if you will, put on your thinking cap with me for just a second, because this is a little bit complex. If you don't want to think about it, I'll come back and pick those of you up who don't want to think in like five minutes. All right, give me five, uh, just a second, though. Uh, Jesus says not only that he will be with you forever, Jesus says to the people, you will know him for he dwells with you. <clears throat> he says you know him for he dwells with you. Now, think about this with me. How is it possible that they know the Holy Spirit in this moment? Because if you know your Bible, you can go ahead and flip to Acts 1 and 2, and here's what you find, that the Holy Spirit doesn't come until Jesus goes up, and then what happens? The Holy Spirit comes down. So Jesus says, you know the Holy Spirit because you've been dwelling with the Holy Spirit. In other words, what Jesus is trying to say, and this should blow our mind, is that even though I am not the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is not me, we are one God so that if you know me, you know the Holy Spirit. Is that not crazy? So Jesus is saying essentially this, and he says this to to Thomas earlier in John 14. You want to know what God the Father looks like? Do you not know me? You want to know what the Holy Spirit looks like? Do you not know me? Well, Jesus, are you the Holy Spirit? No. But if you know the Holy Spirit, I am the Holy Spirit, and you know the... Uh, it, boom. All right, for those of you who didn't want to think that deeply, all right, come back on, you're back on, the, you can take the faking cap off, all right? But Jesus is saying, this is how the Trinity works. So that I am not the Holy Spirit, but I am God, and, God, and the Holy Spirit is God, so that if you know one of us, you know all of us. Jesus is saying to us that the Holy Spirit is, is God. Now, not only is the Holy Spirit God, the Holy Spirit is how God manifests himself to man post-resurrection and ascension. See, this is a really important thing for us to try to wrap our heads around because I think I fear for most of us that we have so much experience with the Bible and so little experience with God working in our lives here in the present. What we begin to think is that after Jesus went up into heaven, God's story was just done. And here's what I want you to know, that because God sent the Holy Spirit, when Jesus went up into heaven, God was just getting started. So that, listen, you have as much purpose from God as the disciples who walked with Jesus did because you walk with the Holy Spirit. Although God does not manifest himself to us in Jesus Christ physically anymore, he does manifest to us in the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit. Here's, maybe this sounds a little technical. Maybe you're like, where are you going with this? Here's why this is important. God is not done working with you or with the world around you. Amen. The Holy Spirit is still here. He's still working. 
So that's big picture stuff. But at this point, I have not told you any reason why you should feel glad that you have the Holy Spirit. I haven't told you what the Holy Spirit does that makes it such good news for you that he's still here. So with that, let's talk about why the Holy Spirit is good news for you. What is it that the Holy Spirit does that makes it good news for you that he's still here? First thing I want you to see is this. He is our helper. He is our helper. Notice what Jesus says. Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. I think it's interesting, if not somewhat comical, that the first line of identification for the Holy Spirit is as one who helps us. That is how God is coming to us, is as one who helps us. Now, I think this is interesting because God intends this to be a fundamental reminder of our inadequacy. Let me put it to you this way. Because I think this is important for us to understand in 2022. In 2022, our culture, especially in, in our modern American culture, we are sold a bill of goods constantly that sounds something like this. You are enough. You are good enough. If you maximize your potential, you can do it. If you surround yourself with the right people, then you'll have it. If you try hard enough and do well enough, you can have your wildest dreams. And listen, I cannot imagine anything that comes with more pressure than being told you're enough. You don't need any help. And Jesus, in his first identification of who the Holy Spirit is, is coming to us and saying, I do not care what the world around you says, you are not enough. As a matter of fact, you are so much not enough that I am going to send you a helper because you are not enough. Notice this, church. Notice the context for which this promise comes. Jesus says in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel like anybody who's followed Jesus for more than 10 minutes, they should hear that and immediately their chest should get a little tight. Because following Jesus and obeying his commandments are kind of hard. Right? Like, and I'm just being honest, and I'm the preacher, so I'm assuming that if I'm the preacher and I feel like this, you definitely feel like this, okay? Your preacher ain't got it together. That's another conversation for another time. But if my love for Christ was measured by my obedience for Christ, there would be days where you'd look at my life and you'd say, I'm not so sure that he loves Jesus. Because understand this, Jesus, when he says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments, is calling us to a lifestyle that we are insufficient for. Jesus says some hard things. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's really easy until your neighbor is in front of you on Woodruff Road at 1130 on Saturday, right? Then I'm not loving anybody as I love myself, right? It's really easy to treat others as you want to be treated until your kid is singing the Blues Clues theme song for the thousandth time that day, right? And then what happens? What we begin to discover is it's not quite as easy to obey Jesus' commandments as we had originally thought. And so Jesus understands this. And Jesus says, 
I know that you cannot obey my commandments, but if you love me, you obey my commandments, and guess what? I will send you help to do it. Get this, church. I, want you, I, 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 I really want you to, to feel the presence and the power of the Spirit and why this is important for you. You do not have to be perfect. You cannot be perfect. When you wake up in the morning and you feel like I, you, you feel like you and you say to yourself, God, I want to obey you, but I'm not sure I'm strong enough to do what you ask. You don't have to be strong enough because Jesus will send to you a helper. The word helper here literally means one who comes alongside. The image it calls to mind is, a, is of when you're injured. Right, and you can't, anybody ever injured like a, a foot or a leg and not been able to put weight on it? And, and what do you need in that moment? You need somebody to come and, and help you. It reminds me, I, and when I was a, a freshman in high school, I, I tore my ACL and I tried to play football on it for three weeks. And I remember the final time that it went out, I, I couldn't get off the field, right? I, could, I couldn't walk. And, and so anytime that would happen, what they do? They send the big hogs out there after you, right? The offensive linemen. And, and they, those offensive linemen, they'd put one on each arm, right? And you, every now and then I'd just touch my foot on the ground and I'd get to where I was going. What were they doing? They were helping me get to where I could not get on my own. And this is what God is saying. This is what Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit is to you. That although you will not be able to make it on your own, He will send you help. Listen, church, I, I want to stress this because I want you to understand. There is no good news without the Holy Spirit. Because without the Holy Spirit, Jesus is in heaven and you're on your own and there is no help. Jesus is saying you are not on your own. I will send you help. He is our helper. Second thing I want you to see is this. He is our teacher. He is our teacher. Now, Jesus says, he says this specifically to the disciples, that when I ascend into heaven, I will send the Holy Spirit, and he will teach you all things. Now, this is true of the disciples, and this is prom a promise that is true for us. In, in John 16, it says he will convict us about all righteousness. In other words, that the primary role of the Holy Spirit, the primary help of the Holy Spirit, is that Jesus intends for the Holy Spirit to guide us, to direct us into righteousness. That he will teach us how to do what he's calling us to do. Now, this is really important because at salvation, a spark is lit within us by God that wants to obey. Here's the trouble with that. Anybody who's been following Jesus for longer than five minutes knows this, for longer than five seconds really knows this, right? That in our hearts, we want to obey, but man, we just don't know how. And essentially, the reason why this is, is because when we are saved, we are essentially children in the faith. Now, here's, what, here's the crazy thing about children. There are things that you as an adult take for granted that are easy that are really hard for children. I think about this uh, when I cook breakfast in the mornings. I, I usually cook breakfast uh, every morning, uh, some kind of egg, right? And uh, when I cook eggs in the morning, egg, that is, that, cracking an egg is the easiest thing I do all day. Like, it only gets progressively harder from, from there, right? Like, I don't ever leave and say, well, man, that cracking that egg was just super tough this morning. You know who cracking an egg is really difficult for? My six-year-old. Such that if, my six, if I tell my six-year-old to go crack an egg, I'm going to have to spend some time in prayer and repentance, okay? Because what is easy for me is hard for her. 
Now, Jesus, in his immense grace and patience with us, understands that we don't know how to follow him. So he sends a teacher who says, this is how. This is, what, this is the way you do this. This is the purpose of the Holy Spirit, such that, listen to me, the primary role of the Holy Spirit in your life is to convict you of sin and to teach you how to follow Jesus. Such that, listen, if the Holy Spirit does not convict you of sin, I do not care that you can talk in tongues. If the Holy Spirit does not convict you of sin and teach you how to be more righteous, I don't care how you feel in here on Sunday morning. Because the primary role of the Holy Spirit is to guide us and teach us how to be followers of Jesus. Now, you might be asking yourself, and I think it's a good question to ask because some of us don't have a whole lot of experience with this. You might be asking, how does this work? How does it work that the Holy Spirit guides us and teaches us? Well, let me just put it to you like this. He gently guides our lives but using Scripture. That is the Bible. That means that I think it's really important that we know the Bible. This is how the Holy Spirit guides us. By using our prayers, by using Christian community, and by using our redeemed conscience. By, by telling us not this way, but that way. Now, the only way I really know to illustrate this for us of how, how, how this should work is something that happened to me last Sunday morning. Uh, me and Jenna have been a single car family for like the past 15 days, right? Because evidently when they tell you five to seven business days when you put your car in the shop, what they actually meant was three weeks later, all right? And, and so we've been a single car family. And last week, Jenna's mom was in town. Uh, so instead of Jenna coming to church with me early in the morning, I took Jenna's mom's car to church. Now, the reason why this is a big deal is Jenna's mom drives a 2021 fully loaded RAV4, okay? Just bells and whistles galore. For the past few years, I have driven a 2001 4Runner where the dash didn't work in it, right? I literally didn't know how fast I was going. People would be like, what do you do? Use the RPM gauge to see how fast you're going? I'm like, yeah, because I'm Jeff Gordon, okay? <laughs> like, no, I don't know how fast I'm going. And so, but I got in Jenna's mom's car, and it was something, com a completely different experience. The car talked to me, <laughs> right? Like, I'm going down the road thinking to myself, I feel like this is how Terminator the movie started, when machines started talking to humans, Right? And so I'm going down the road, and I'm not a good example of this. I'll admit I should do better. But I just grew up in a place, in a community, in a family, really, where seatbelts were uh, seen as a luxury, okay? Uh, <laughs> judge me, okay? And so I'm not the best about putting on my seatbelt. And I got going uh, down the road, and the seatbelt thing started to ding. And at first, it started dinging really gently. Ding, 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 ding. It was gentle enough that I could ignore. Well, after about 15 seconds of dinging, it went from a gentle nudge to why are you robbing Fort Knox level alarms, okay? And I mean, it, I was like, it made me nervous. Like, I was like, okay, 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 I'll put on the seatbelt, right? And I put on the seatbelt and I'm going down the road. And I approach a stop sign. And as I approach the stop sign, y'all, the, sp the speedometer, the heads up display, put a stop sign on the screen. And at this point, like, I'm rolling down the window, like, looking out, seeing if, like, the CIA, like, satellite's watching me. Like, what is going on? And I'm like, man, this car's got everything, right? And so I'm going down the road, and I, I get right up here to Harrison Bridge Road, and the lane shifts over here, right? Like, it, it doesn't, you can, 
not be in the opposite lane when the lane shifts and, and still have time to get over, right? And the lane shifted. And all of a sudden, the car thought I was going into the opposite lane of traffic, right? And it's sending all kind of signals telling me to get back over. I'm pretty sure that if I hadn't done it when it wanted to, it was going to move me back over. And by the time I got to the church, I was a nervous wreck because this car had been talking to me. And I, I started thinking about this. And I couldn't help but make the connection that this is what the Holy Spirit does for believers. That as we go through life, the Holy Spirit uses the things that He puts in our lives, Scripture and prayer and community and a redeemed conscience, to say to us, hey, I know you think it's smart to do this, but you should probably put on your seatbelt, you dummy, right? I, I, the Holy Scripture says, hey, I know that you feel like you're going, in, the Holy Spirit says, I know you feel like you're going in the right direction, but please stop at this stop sign, don't go any further. The Holy Spirit says, I know it feels right to be in this lane, but you need to get back over because you're heading toward destruction. This is what the Holy Spirit does for us. It guides and shapes our life. Now, the question for some of us is this. You might be here, and you might be thinking to yourself, I have never felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. Like you're telling me it should shape and guide my life, and I've just never felt it. And you're telling me, that I, I should feel maybe maybe you're here and you have felt it in the past but I'm telling you it should be guiding your life and you're saying man I hadn't I hadn't felt the Holy Spirit in years I think there are two possible reasons for that number one if you've never felt the Holy Spirit hear me say this you might need to ask yourself if you're saved because the Holy Spirit only comes, Jesus says, and makes a home in the people who love Jesus. If you don't love Jesus, the Holy Spirit has no reason to come to you. And I, I have people all the time ask me, how do I know if I'm saved? And listen, I understand doubt. Can I tell you, I wrestle with doubt every day. I, 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 I know what it means to question and to wrestle. But that question, how do I know if I'm saved, should really start to be squelched and put down when we understand that the Holy Spirit guides my life. Let me ask you this. I don't want to know if you're saved. I want to know if the Holy Spirit has guided your life. If so, you're saved. But maybe you've been here and the Holy, you felt the Holy Spirit's presence in the past, but it's just been a while since you felt it. I want to ask you this. What's your prayer life like? What's your Bible reading like? What's your involvement in small group? What's your church attendance like? Because listen, I had to get in the car for the car to correct me. Some of us need to put ourselves in the presence of the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit can start guiding our life. You can't be mad at the Holy Spirit for not guiding your life when you've ignored Him. I, want us to, I, I really hope that what I'm doing is shaping our, our, our minds a little bit by the power of Scripture. There is no good news without the Holy Spirit because without the Holy Spirit, Jesus is in heaven and we're all on our own. And Jesus is saying, you're not on your own. I've come to teach you how to follow me. Final thing is this. He is our helper. He is our teacher. Final thing is this. He is our peace. Notice what Jesus says. Jesus says that he has come to give us peace. Now, this very conversation about the Holy Spirit is centered around the fact that the disciples need peace. You remember I, I told you that they're freaking out because Jesus is about to leave. Now, I can almost hear this conversation as Jesus is sitting around the table telling the disciples he's about to leave. Jesus is saying, I'm about to leave and I will, you'll better see me no more. And I can almost hear Peter say, where are you going, Jesus? Because wherever you go, I'll go. 
Like, even to the death. And Jesus is like, this again? Like, dude, I told you. Whole rooster thing, bro. You're going to deny me, right? And Jesus is like, no, Peter, no. And, and John's like, where are you going to go, Jesus? How, are you, how could you possibly leave us? Remember, John's a young man at this time. And you can, maybe even Judas is in the back. And Jesus is saying, I am about to leave you. And Judas is scared. It's like, really, where are you going? And Jesus is like, you know, right? But I can almost hear them all panicking. And Jesus brings up the conversation about the Holy Spirit to say, don't panic. He says, I know you're scared because I'm leaving, but here's what he says. I will not leave you as orphans. See, here's the reason why this is good news. And I, I, I worry that many of us have never embraced this. We're missing out on the Christian lifestyle. This is Jesus Christ reminding us that no matter what we face, that no matter how desperate the situation, no matter how troubled the moment, you have no reason to panic. You have no reason for anxiety. You have no reason to worry because God himself is with you. And I'm worried that many of us, by ignoring the Holy Spirit, have ignored the Christian way, and we go through life miserable and panicked and always trying to fight sin in our own power because we don't know that Jesus has said, I am with you still. You see, I want us to understand this. Jesus says, my peace I give to you. How is he giving them peace? He's giving them peace because the presence of God is the peace of God for the people of God. The presence of God is what gives the people of God the peace of God. So that no matter what you're going through, and some of you will say this morning, Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know the thoughts that I have when I'm by myself and I'm lonely and how bad I hurt. You don't know, Pastor. Pastor, you don't know how bad my marriage is. Pastor, you don't know how much I'm struggling with raising my kids. And here's what I want you to know. That no matter how lonely you feel, you have not been made to do life alone because God is with you. That no matter how tough your marriage is, you have not been made to go through marriage alone because God is with you. That parent, no matter how tough your child is, that high schooler, no matter how hard high school is, that college student, no matter how tempting the college scene is, you have not been made to do it alone because God is saying, I am with you. And I want you to understand this. That is a completely different kind of lifestyle than what most of us have embraced. That I can do it myself, I'll be okay. Can I tell you, I, I, I wrote this sermon this week and didn't really have an appreciation for this. I was kind of wrestling with how the presence of God should play out in our life and give us peace. And then this weekend, my family and Jenna's family, they live about three hours away. And we had to go home for a birthday party. And now understand this, I love going home. I really do. I love going to see my family. But typically when we go home, I, ha I end up having to go home on a Friday and then turn back around and come back on a, on a Saturday, right? Because home isn't really home. This is home, right? And I have to work on Sundays, right? And so most of the time what happens is we're driving through the night uh, at some point on Saturday night to try to get back. And I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. It makes me really anxious and I just get really aggravated. And most of the time, husbands, you know what this, it plays out with me being a jerk, right? Amen? No, all right, somebody, a husband today earlier said no, that he didn't know what I was talking about. I just assume his wife wasn't with him, okay? 
And so that's just kind of what, how it plays out. And I was, I was really trying to be on guard against that and, and, and love my family and not be a jerk on the way home yesterday. And we made it to Augusta. And I told Jenna, I said, Jenna, you got to stop. we got to stop at the Starbucks. I'm not going to make it home if we don't get some coffee. Like, i got to have some coffee. And we made it to Starbucks. And there's something about my, my youngest daughter, Annie Jet. She's just such a good baby. One of the, man, she's the sweetest, most content baby. You can lay, literally lay her on the ground. And come back in a few hours later, and she's good. She's like, what's up, Dad? Good to see you again, right? It's crazy. Ride in a car seat. If it's daylight out, you can ride her in a car seat to Montana, right? And she's good, no problem. However, if for some reason it gets dark in that car seat, like if we're riding in the night, game over. And I, I, I was at Starbucks, right, and I was watching the sun go down, and I knew it's about to come, right? And me and Jenna, we both get car sick really easy. And so we knew, like, oh, one of us is going to get back there with her and see it while we ride. And I said, okay, I, I'll do it. And Jenna, when I got back there, she said, give her your finger. Let her hold your finger and just watch. And I gave her my finger, and she grabbed it and just kind of softly smiled. And it was like a blanket had gone over her asleep. And, like, parents, it's one of those moments where you're like, man, this is awesome, Right? It was short-lived because I'm sure like five minutes later I was yelling at the other kid, right? But I was like, this is awesome. And we got to Columbia, and, and when we got to Columbia, she kind of opened up her eyes, went back to sleep. Got on 385, she did it again, opened up her eyes, went back to sleep. What was she doing? Checking to make sure that I was still there. And as we went, man, it hit me that this is what the presence of God is meant to do for the people of God. That we understand that there may be even be situations in life that are hard, that we don't like, that we would rather do without. And what God is saying to us is, I understand all that, but you have no need to worry because I'm there. Church, what I want to call us to is a radically different way of understanding life. A life that is meant to be lived with God, not with just knowledge about God. And that happens because the good news of the gospel is not just something that God did in the past. The good news of the gospel is that right here in this very moment, God the Holy Spirit wants to come and make his home with you. Would you pray with me? Lord, I know that today has been a, just an interesting day, dear God. Uh, such a great opportunity to baptize and to rejoice in that. Uh, Lord, such an anxious place today, dear God. And I just pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would calm what's in this room. God, do a work that only you can do and draw us close to you, Father. Dear God, I, and I'm just praying that we would have a radically different understanding of life, dear God. A life not filled with knowledge about you, but filled with your presence and your power, because that's the good news of the gospel. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.